0: You know what, I'm going to do the intro without you because it's just easier. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. My name is Emery Wolf. Joining me somewhere is Nick Lamb, and we are Just Two Camera Guys, a show where we're going to talk about all things camera. Uh, Tonight, we're doing an interview uh, with two folks who have been in the industry for a while. Uh, They have a whole plethora of awards they have won. They have their own publishing company. Uh, They got a new book coming out as well. Or it's already out, I should say. Yeah. Um, so joining us tonight is Robin and Arlene Carpen. Thanks for joining us today. How are you guys doing? Pretty good.
1: Thanks
0: That's for having us. It. Yeah, uh, things are good over here. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm coming off the Paralympics, working all weekend. It was a grueling weekend, but uh, rocking some Team Canada stuff as they won silver. Nick was actually working with that a little bit as well, but not nearly as much. Um, <laughs> Nick doesn't like to work. That's (laughs) the real story there. But anyways, (laughs) um, you guys have been busy yourselves. You've been going all over the place, promoting a new book. Uh, What is the new book and uh, what's it all about?
2: Well, funny you should ask. We just have a copy of it right here. It's called Sustantrum's Best Scenic Drives." It's a revised edition. We uh, went last year in the fall and uh, went through the province and looked up some of the uh, things that we needed to, <clears throat> did a few more back roads and checked out some of the updates that needed to be done. So we just came out with this uh, new edition you know, in April sometime.
0: Nice. Where can people find that?
1: Oh, any of the any of the major bookstores, some gift shop, or they can order it directly from us, which is parklandpublishing.com.
2: And nice. there, there's some copies available at some of the outdoor stores in Saskatoon, Outer Limits, and
1: Ebb Stores for Adventure. And in Regina, um, the chapters are Indigo Store, Cole, Nice, find them.
2: yeah, and Tunnels of Moose Jaw has some. So they're they're in various places
0: so you guys i I keep thinking you've been doing this for a long time but is is yeah. my like time space continuum right about that or
1: yeah yeah it's a long time we've been uh we've been doing this in one form or another for quite a number of years we started um we've been doing uh travel writing and photography like forever and then um, we started getting into book publishing and the first one we started was back in 1998 we did um a book on the Athabasca Sandy. So um, always start with the most difficult one first.
2: <laughs> and the most uh, Yeah, because yeah, so, it was full color.
1: And then over the years, we've, we've done quite a number of books. Um, we've done one on Northern Saskatchewan Canoe Country, uh, Saskatchewan Phoenix Secrets, which is out of print now, one on wildlife. Um, we've got a photographer's guide to Saskatchewan, and another, it's it's the scenic drives book, and the other one that's our bestseller right now is the uh, Great Saskatchewan Bucket List: fifty unforgettable natural wonders to see before you kick the bucket.
0: Yeah, even I own that one. So nice, um, but I, I am looking to get a, a few more of your books at some point in time. There, I have looked them up on the, the internet. It's just a matter of time to to go through it for myself. Sure. Yeah. Um. You know, looking at this too, you said you've been doing this travel thing for a long time. Cause you also travel other places and you've kept up with that as well.
1: Uh, yeah, we travel, uh, well, across the country and internationally quite a bit, but it's for our books. Uh, we've concentrated mainly on Saskatchewan. Um, we, we think that there's just an incredible, uh, number of places in Saskatchewan. Our, um, our main interests are landscape, uh, nature, wildlife, um, getting in the outdoors. Uh, the Drives book is about uh, mainly backroads book, books. So it's getting out past the major highways, uh, places that people may not think of. And um, and we've come up with an incredible number of places for, for photography. Uh, Saskatchewan, it, it's, it's hard to beat. And... What really stands out about Saskatchewan for photography is is that there are some incredible places you can go, some of the sand dunes, some of the major lakes, and you can almost be alone. Um, you know we've been to many other top photo locations around the world, and uh, you know you're kind of jockeying for space with about a hundred other photographers who' all taking much the same photo. <laughs> But in Saskatchewan, you can go to incredible places and probably be the only one there.
2: And especially in the off-season, too. There's lots of places to uh, not use the word hide, but, yes, where you can be alone on some of the uh, roads, even in provincial parks, even though they're heavily visited, say, in the summertime. If you go after the long weekend in September or before uh, in May, uh, that's those are all ideal times to go. So uh and we've got river valleys, we have um almost mountains in the in the far north. Um so our uh, Great Saskatchewan bucket list takes a good look at the Athabasca sand dunes and how to get there and we often receive uh, lots of requests from people who um are interested in going to the sand dunes and um just need a little bit more
0: information or background on how to prepare for a trip like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, actually, I'm going to put you on the spot here. You, you talk about like other photographers and stuff here and people who are into this, there, there seems to really be a lot in Saskatchewan. What do you think it is about Saskatchewan that like really caters that like, why is there so many photographers here?
1: I think that we have a lot of variety. Um, we've got um, we can head south and see some of the uh, last major remnants of natural prairie in in North America. Places like Grasslands Grasslands National Park stands out, but places like Saskatchewan Landing, places around Lake Mead and Baker. Um, we can head north into the boreal forest, and uh, we can choose among a hundred thousand lakes. And then uh, we mentioned the Athabasca sand dunes, and something that a lot of people don't realize is that Saskatchewan is the sand dune capital of Canada. There's no other place in the country that can can rival Saskatchewan and the size and number of sand dunes we've had here. We've got the largest ones in the country, Athabasca, the second largest, Great sand hills, plus there's great sand dunes in um, Douglas Provincial Park, Great uh, Good Spirit Lake, and a few other small places as well. And I think, as far as why there's so many photographers in Saskatchewan, is is partially that. And I think it's also it's also our population. Is that unlike some parts of the country where you've got everybody clustered into a, into some major cities, our population tends to be a little more dispersed. Um, So you've got a lot of people that are in different parts of the um, province to begin with and and probably have an appreciation for that.
2: The other thing is there's really only a few major cities in Saskatchewan. And in 20 minutes, you can be outside the city and into um, a whole different landscape. You know, wetlands are there. There's, uh, you know, birds and wildlife. Uh, you can be in nature and, and, uh, not be bothered by anybody else. And it's the light as well. The, um, the light in Saskatchewan, it's ever changing. Uh, lots of different cloud formations, depending on where you go in the north or the south. And, you know, what, uh, Mother Nature is bringing us for, for, um, weather systems. So, um, and sunsets and sunrises are, I think
0: unequaled anywhere in the world. Yeah, for sure. There's some they don't call us the land of living sky for nothing, right? <laughs> I got a
3: sunset happening here. I'm not sure what's going on, but <laughs> I I love to talk camera gear. So yeah. I'll tend to overpack whenever I go on a on a trip or on a shoot or something. What's kind of your go-to camera gear uh kit when you're out traveling?
1: It, it depends on the trip. If it's um if it's uh, a driving trip, we tend to overpack as well. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much uh, a little bit of everything. Um, if it's uh, you know a hiking trip or a canoe trip, then you know we got to kind of tear things down a bit. But yeah, when we're traveling by car, um, it's um, it's usually taking stuff for for landscapes, uh, the, the big lenses for uh, for wildlife. Because you never know what you're going to run across. Um, we use we br- use drones sometimes, um, so and everything in between. So yeah, we tend to overpack as well. For um, you know, when when it's not a major issue, taking a few extra lenses and stuff um, um, when you're not um, carrying it on your back, as you would say on a backpacking trip.
2: So sometimes, uh, in the, in the vehicle too, we leave, uh, one camera with a long lens for wildlife and have the other one ready for a landscape in case, you know, uh, something closer is at hand. So, uh, it helps to have enough cameras, uh, even though I complain about, um, how many there are on the shelf (laughs) downstairs. But uh anyway, uh it's uh, it is helpful to have uh the setup you need and, and to have things right in hand.
0: Yeah, it seems like you guys do quite a bit of uh like canoe trips with this as well. Like, is there some extra provisions you're taking with that as well?
1: Uh the main thing there is keeping things dry. So um uh, Pelican case. Um uh, barrels that we use for other year for for extra things and uh, and something we learned the hard way is uh, pelican cases. You um, have to check the seal every once in a while. We did did have an incident. Uh, it was several years ago where where we we uh, did get some water and um, and it you know the seal was getting a little old. So that's something we always try to um, caution people about. This is Things, anything like a pelican case or anything like that to to uh, test every once in a while and of course the the other big thing is on a canoe trip or or anything like that is you tend to be a little more limited uh so you know um zoom lenses'll that'll, that'll cover more range um things like that uh, a lighter weight tripod um, whatever we can do
0: yeah i was uh when i was going through the great saskatchewan bucket list uh there are some places that you've been that i've been really close to Uh, uh, the Churchill is basically what i'm talking about and like the idea of like canoeing through there with the rapids and everything and how fast that water flows like i can't imagine taking my camera on it we have big fishing boats when we do it so i'm quite uh, happy about that well sometimes we strap things into
2: the boat as well Although it it depends on the situation, we always scope the rapids ahead of time and see whether it's something that we can handle. And and if there's any issues, we usually put the cameras in the barrel so that they're going to be safe just in case we we do overturn. Although that's rare.
1: Yeah, yeah. and and we do um have um say a small waterproof point and shoot for things like when we're actually going through rapids
0: and oh nice.
1: Sometimes
0: we'll use a uh, GoPro and going through rapids as well. Yeah, that's, it's crazy to me. Uh, like I said, I, I always find it like the situations you're going through as well. I think it's just you two most of the time. So you guys have to be pretty well prepared for the elements, uh, obviously trained in with the canoes and all that stuff. Is there any other sort of like preparation or training that you've gone through?
1: uh yeah we've taken whitewater courses over the years and yeah some of our trips will be just the two of us but um uh, sometimes if if we go on canoe trips with friends you can kind of push things a little bit more than you would you know if you're on your own uh if there's any uh if there's any question about whether you should run a particular rapids or or toys, you, know, you're, you know you' wanna, you know you want you want to be on the safe side, there's nobody to fish you out in case of <laughs> uh, when we're along with friends, there's you know it's certain backup so you can maybe take a few more chances. Something
2: else you can also do on a canoe trip and we've done it a few times is we say well we'd like to run those rapids just to see whether we can do it but there is a portage trail especially on the Churchill it's so well uh used that there's there's trails everywhere so you can always get around rapids on a portage trail so we might portage the gear and then instead of portaging the canoe if it's possible we might run the rapids uh with an empty canoe and uh just for the you know just for the thrill of it <laughs> And uh, you know the fact that we don't have to carry it now. It doesn't work everywhere. There's lots of you know big waterfalls and things that you wouldn't want to get involved in um, on r- lots of rivers in Saskatchewan. But um, you know you can assess things pretty well ahead of time, and and uh, it's always be safe. There's there's uh, on the Churchill anyway. There's usually another way around things. You don't have to take chances.
0: I, I was just going to ask, actually, how dangerous are some of the things that uh, you guys end up doing? Like, I feel like it's not for everybody to be doing.
1: No, usually, um, yeah, on the Churchill, especially because it's so well-traveled, there's always a way around. And, um, you know, it, it's always, you know, if in doubt, do the portage. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at this as well, and I was actually kind of surprised at like a lot of the spots um, I've actually been to. And I don't think like most people are that way. I mean, obviously, there's there's some of the, the more difficult ones, Athabasca, just as an example. Um, but I guess really what I kind of want to know running off that is you did pick Athabasca first. Why did you pick Athabasca first?
1: There's just nowhere like it in the world. It, it's um, it's like it's a major, it's the largest sand dunes in Canada, the largest this far north anywhere in the world. But what's unique about it is that most major sand dunes around the world are in deserts or in very arid areas. And here, it's next to one of the biggest lakes in Canada, and it's sliced by three rivers. And it's in the middle of the forest. So it's just like, I can't think of anywhere else in the world that you can find that. And, to top it off, one of the best ways to, to see it is by canoe. I mean, what could be more cool than canoeing through sand dunes? So it's just, and, and from a photographic point of view, it's it, it it's kind of that extra step Whereas you can go to um, um, sand dunes and other places, and it's essentially essentially sand but here it, you've got the the kind of the interplay of the sand with the water and and the forest so there's some cool shots you can get yeah. of the uh the leading edge of a sand dune uh taking over a forest as like it advances with the prevailing wind or on the edge of um the river or the lake and and you've got um you know, water and sand mixture. And then the other thing that that's maybe a little less known about Athabasca, it, it it's one of the hot spots in Canada uh, botanically for, for rare plants. So it's also, I think, because you get the moist sand, is you've got a lot of rare plants there, some of which grow nowhere else in the world. So the, the photographic possibilities of this of this
2: but we, we did pick it, uh, to begin with because we saw it as a challenge and there was nothing else written at the time. There was, uh, there were some studies done by, uh, researchers at the university, uh, that, that, you know, delineated lots of, uh, very detailed information, but nothing about sort of the character of the rivers or the, um, what it was like to travel there. So we uh, saw it as a challenge, and we went. And the first time, we we were pretty busy just canoeing and just making sure that we were safe. We were alone. And after that, we were bitten. So uh, we we went back several times uh, back up there to do other uh, photographic trips and canoe trips along the south shore. So we've canoed the south shore what two or three times yeah, already, was, yeah. and and portions of it um, in in along other trips, and you know it you just never get tired of the scenery. Is it? You know it's always changing and um, always brilliant. We've seen uh, uh, barren ground caribou up there, oh, wow. and that was that was pretty special. And some bears and lots of eagles and some osprey and and uh Arctic terns nesting and and the neat thing is that it's just so quiet. There's nobody nobody else around. So uh you're really up there on your own and uh it's a wonderful place to enjoy enjoy nature.
0: Was it sort yes. of the catalyst too that started the uh the book company as well?
1: Uh yeah, yes. It it
0: yes. It, uh yes. We it, it went over,
1: you know, we were happy the way it went over, so then we looked at you know other things that we could do, and uh, one thing led to another, and we kind of got sucked into doing books.
2: Well, yeah. the, the other thing was that we've, we've written books where there haven't been other books written about those subjects before. So, a good example is also trails, there were no books on, on uh, trails in Saskatchewan, kind of a uh, catch-all book, you know, where you could uh, find out what the trails were like ahead of time with maps and and information. So we did one book on that, uh, and very quickly sold out. Did another one, and two years later we revised revised it again, and did a third one, and uh, it's now sold out. And it's pretty hard now to keep up with trails because they just keep changing um, almost weekly or yearly anyway and uh the parks are adding more or they're or they're decommissioning some and sometimes they make the trails go in the other direction so what whatever you've written is the is no longer valid and uh you know the uh landscape changes the forest changes fires have played a role uh drought so lots of things that we wrote about at one time are you know um, are Not necessarily the way things stay. It's just a changing world.
0: Yeah. So it sort of sounds like you started it out of opportunity. Um, But what was it like starting Parkland Publishing? Like, was that like? I'm assuming it was like a jump in type thing. You're not dipping your toes in the water. You're.
1: Yeah. It. It. When we started, we had some background in doing, you know, page design, and and we had the background in writing and photography. So um it it yeah there's a lot of learning and um things like how to get them distributed and uh, you know into the bookstores and marketing and all that kind of stuff too you know the, the the fun stuff is being out there uh walking trails and taking photos and and that and then when you come back and sit in front of the screen that's when the that's when the work actually starts
2: but the uh, the technicalities have also changed a lot over the years because with those early books all we had was slides there were no digital uh, photos so and you know when when there were digital photos they were often very small and now they're humongous so you've got lots more data and everything to work with but we had to give the um, slides to the printing company and they scanned them on a drum scanner and then we would uh, get the files, digital files, and then put that into the layout and Profit, and, you know, move it around and things. But it um, it was very cumbersome and we didn't have control. And uh, now that's all changed. So um, it's all, you know, we understand it a lot better. We learn with every book that we do and it gets a little easier with everyone, but in Saskatchewan scenic Drive, for example, there's 185 photos, and each one of those takes um, special care to make sure you got the contrast right and the colors are, are right. And then printing in CMYK is not the same as looking at it in RGB on your, your monitor. So we're into, you know, different color schemes, and, and uh, there, there's just a lot to learn, a lot. But-
3: nice so do you have a uh any photography tips or maybe we're kind of running low on time is there a tip uh your your number one tip for it i know when Emery and i went out and took photos he was pulling out all these we were taking the same photos but his just looked better than mine every time we would take a scenic photo uh, there was just something about it
1: um Probably the simplest thing is uh, get up early and stay up late. I mean, that's if they are trying to get those golden hours. Um, I'd say that's especially that's the other thing that's that's special about Saskatchewan is usually we have really nice golden hours. And like a lot, some of our photos, uh, for example, we've got one in, in the scenic drives book, and I think a similar one in the bucket list book about. Um, cypress hills um at um at sunrise sunrise over the conglomerate cliffs and um for that we had to get up about four for that in the, in the summer and uh some of the shots we've got of sunset up in lake Athabasca, they're kind of 10 30 at night 10 30 around so what we often do is if we're on a trip and it's primarily uh, for photography, what we'll often do is, is, um, of course, plan for that early morning and late evening. And then sometimes we'll, I know this is what we did up in Lake Athabasca, is that we'll, we'll have our main meal of the day at noon, you know, in the, during the hot sun when the light is crappy and, and, um, you know, maybe have a nap as well.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and so you can. Spend
0: time at the at the time when the light is right. Oh, that's great. I'm trying to think. There's that one spot, too, where uh, you have to be up at a certain time so that the shadows create the face on the rock wall. Yeah,
1: yeah. There's all kinds of stuff
0: like that. So, yeah. so I kind of want to put you guys on the spot again. Uh, is there <laughs> a place in Saskatchewan that you've not been to that you want to go to? Oh,
1: yeah. There's lots, um, especially in the north. Uh, what happens is that once you start wandering around in the north, and uh, you know there's rivers mm-hmm. that you, you you hear about from other people, and oh, that sounds great. But uh, I mean, even other parts of the Churchill River, we we've, we've seen a good chunk of it, but not all of it.
2: The Upper uh, Clearwater River, we haven't done the Foster River, Hock Rock River, lots of lots of um, things left on our, our bucket list as well.
1: Yeah and yes. even in the in the southern part of the province there's 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 hidden away hidden away places. Um, and and it's not it, and it's not always having places that you that you know about. It's it's what we encourage people to do with the Phoenix Drives book is to not just you know religiously follow the 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 routes that we've mapped out, but use it as kind of a starting point. To, um, you know, you see, uh, you're on a drive in some back road and, and we're forever wondering, okay, what's around, what's over that hill or, or what's around that next corner? And especially in that area around, down around Grasslands Park, uh, there's just an incredible amount of, uh, stuff around there, not only in the park, but, um, kind of in the Wood Mountain uplands area east of the park. There's a lot of those areas um, and the, and the other thing, there's often places like we want to get back to because when we were there the first time, we had crappy light or the weather wasn't great or, or whatever. And there's, there's lots of those, like there's, there's uh, the newest provincial park in, um, in Saskatchewan, the Porcupine Hills on the, you know, near the Eastern border. We've been to parts of that, not to all of that. Um, there's, um, you know, places in the Pasqua Hills you, mm-hmm. we haven't been to. So um, enough to keep us going for a few more years, I think.
3: That's good. every <laughs> we're going to have to write down those excuses. We're we're making, it sounds really silly, but we're making a book about excuses for every photographer. Yeah. <laughs> the weather the light reasons why our shots
0: are bad is basically the whole it's never us No. (laughs) 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 yeah you mentioned clearwater park that's a place that i actually learned on the bucket list i I don't know why it was never anything that i had actually thought of going to but now it's kind of it's like a area i want to hit up um you also talking about all those drives uh around here and that the books are loaded with information where where are you getting that are you is it all research online or research through books or is it like are you getting some of that local
1: uh a little bit of everything all all of it is our own experience we never write about anything that we haven't done ourselves uh but we'll start off with ideas from it could be a number of sources it could be uh, a local tourism organizations it could be just other people we've talked to uh, talking to local people is always always uh, a, a great thing. I mean, you, you hear about a certain area, but once you get there and talk to somebody who, who lives there, you know, inevitably you get other ideas. But so why don't you go down this road and turn over there and so on, and so forth. So that's and then a, a lot of online stuff. So, it's, so the initial idea comes from a lot of different places, but in the end. Uh, to do a drive or to write about somebody, something we we go and do it ourselves so we, wow. can, so we can talk from experience
0: yeah do you ever feel like this new crop of like the saskatchewan explorer uh, has learned a lot from you too like and just to name some names there's like a, I think it's jen smith nielsen um we talked to uh oh what was his name why am i blanking on it he does ghost things. Um, oh yes, yes. And then, uh, even to like, uh, she used to be the Saskatchewan Wanderer. I can't remember her name as well. Or even, sorry, who? Catherine George. Yeah, that's the one. And even like the Saskatchewan Now, like, uh, do you ever feel like you've inspired like a generation of of people?
1: Well, I think it works both ways. Yeah, uh, it's it, uh We hope that they've learned something from us, and and I mean, I mean, we're learning stuff from them too. Following, following what they're doing and getting some ideas, you know, of places that we hadn't thought about. So, but uh, you know, I hopefully it works both ways that we learn from each other.
2: But a lot of people tell us that they're just looking for something to do on a Sunday afternoon. Uh not everybody is uh ready to explore too much. They just wanna get in the car and drive from Saskatoon to the crooked trees, for example, or up Fish Creek Road. And, you know, they just they just wanna go in on a on a little outing that where the roads are good and and they're not gonna get into trouble but they can see some things that they probably drove by, you know, on the highway, but it's just off the highway a little bit and and uh, some some new things to find out about history and scenery.
1: What 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 we've tried to do in the Scene of Drive book is is part of it is different ways of going between familiar places. So for example, instead of driving between Saskatoon and Regina along number eleven highway, which is quick and easy, you can take a route that's only marginally longer going by Lake Diefenbaker, where you go, you know, by the largest lake in Southern Saskatchewan. You've got sand hills, you've got sand dunes, three different provincial parks, uh, bird sanctuaries, and you can see a lot of cool stuff uh, on that same trip. So it's, it's going where you might be going anyways, but taking a different route and perhaps getting more out of it.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. It sounds like you're basically listening to a fan base and giving them what they want. Well, we hope so. <laughs> well,
2: we're doing that for us too, because it's fun for us too. Like our I remember the first time we did the uh, circle Lake diefenbaker route. We had no idea whether we'd get around it and which roads would be would be uh rewarding roads. Some of them just end. Uh, and some go to, uh, birding hotspots or you find yourself, you know, just a little bit away from a birding hotspot or something to that effect. So we weren't sure exactly what we were going to find, but we wrote it all down. And yeah, then we put it together as a route. It's one of the longer ones in the book, but, uh, so yeah, but, so those kinds of things are, are, uh, fun and, um uh, they, they, uh, keep us on our toes, too. <laughs>
0: I'm guessing you guys don't have quite the same philosophy that I have when it comes to it. I'm like, there's a grid road, I'll take it. Uh, bit of a story, but the first time I went to the the Great Sand Hills, I took my daughter and we were driving up from Shonovan. And I was like, Well, we basically just go here, we'll zigzag up. Eventually we're gonna hit that highway and we'll we'll get to go to Scepter and and then we'll find our way from there. There's a map there or something, right? So I kind of knew. idea but i'm i'm just taking these random roads going through these towns and next thing i know i'm on this road that turns into like this soft dirt (laughs) and i'm not clicking like that this is sand or anything i'm just like holy crap we're in trouble i'm gonna get stranded out i'm driving a ford focus like me and my daughter are gonna get stranded out here this is terrible just trying to like beat her through this thing to get through and like i i don't know kid i don't know and then finally there was like some magical thing happened we hit that highway and like scepter was right there yeah. and so we go in i pull in to see if the the museum was open it wasn't but we look at the map and i'm like where is it and i'm looking i'm like we basically drove through it <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't even notice and yeah. yeah, but I it was actually one of the times I was like probably the most scared because it was just it was a completely unfamiliar road. So it's nice to have, have maps or something like that that you guys yeah. are providing. I definitely relate.
1: Sometimes getting lost is part of the fun. You might discover something you, you hadn't thought of before too.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh with our Facebook page, uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh I, I'm one half of chasing yesterday. I'm not too sure if you've ever heard of it. Uh, but me and Susan, my partner that we go out with with it. Uh, that's people are asking us the same thing, like where is this? And it's like I don't know, man. We took a bunch of turns on these grid roads and just wound up at this place. Like, <laughs> so.
2: Um, Thanks uh, for your own information. You know where you where you found something. Uh, you know a significant building or something else along that line. Then. Or-
0: it, it's weird too. I actually have a pretty good memory for that stuff. Susan is clueless when it comes in. She's like, <laughs> I think this barn's down here. And I'm like, no, that's the wrong direction, Susan. It's over here. Uh, but yeah. I had another question, but I completely forgot it. Oh, I was going to tell another story. That's what it was. You're The first time I remember, this was like quite a few years ago. I want to say like five years ago or something. Uh, I'd asked that question about inspiring the next generation. You guys started following me on twitter and i I was like i was like oh my god the carbons are following me like what is going on here (laughs) and then i think you commented on one of them it was like good photo or something it wasn't even anything like called up my mom i'm like you won't believe this (laughs) (laughs) my mom's like who are they i'm like i'm like hang up (laughs) but yeah i was pretty excited that the first time i actually connected with you guys um yeah. Other than that, Nick, do you have any more questions? Cause I think I'm out. No,
3: most of mine have been answered. I'm always just curious about the photography side of things, but um, yeah. That's... What's, an,
0: what's next for you?
1: Oh boy. Uh, taking a rest. Uh, <laughs> you, you can do that. Sort <laughs> of. But I just, just, I think more, more of the same wandering around. We hope to, uh, uh, one thing we hope to do before long is um, with all the rain we've been getting recently, we've been hearing that uh, things are really looking nice. Um, landscapes in the south, like for the cypress hills, grasslands. Yeah. Wildflowers. Uh, it should be a great, great year mm-hmm. for wildflowers. So mm-hmm. we hope to do that. Um, we're hoping to get up north, um, do a little bit of canoeing. If the fires and the smoke settles down, that might be a little later. Um, so it's, um, uh, just kind of playing it by ear. Um, nothing, there's no, you know, great epic trip or anything being planned. It's, um, you know, just doing a little more wandering around, uh, so you know what we can come up
0: with. Yeah, are you doing more promo for the book? I know you guys were on CBC Blue Sky not too long ago. Uh,
1: We've done a few different things. We did a presentation for the uh, Regina Library to Zoom the other day, and you know, there's been a few other media things, but um, and you know, doing lots of social media that sort of thing.
2: Sometimes those things come up. uh, Those commitments come up more in the fall and the winter. So uh, we we may be doing more um, appearances like that, maybe close Christmas time or, um, you know, some other radio ideas or something like that.
3: The great part about your book is every time you travel somewhere, you could shoot a little 15 second video and just number whatever, number 16 and, and just bring it, keep bringing it back. Uh, to the forefront it, it's it works brilliantly for that
1: yeah we're hoping to do more video too we've mm-hmm. done we've done really we're very new at video so we're you know hoping to play around with that a little bit more too
0: Yeah. So have you have, have, has it been like fun going through this like new media era and how social media and everything has changed or has it been a pain well
1: i, I think it's both <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I think it's uh yeah I mean I I tend to still
1: get excited about new things that are going on you know right now I'm playing around with a few different uh, you know editing programs and and uh, you know some of the things that are happening are quite quite amazing uh but it's also time consuming the social media stuff you know all the things that you know the best way to get out there that keeps changing so I think um I think we do. We do what's fun, not necessarily uh, what what we absolutely have to do. Like, um, unlike some people who who do it, you know, the social media thing as as the the main part of their income. You know, you have to be on top of everything. Whereas for us, it's more of a a way of promoting our books and our other works and articles and so on, and um, you know most of it is, is, is fun as well.
2: And our blog photojourney.ca, is uh, carrying a lot of our of uh, material that you know we've written about our trip. and we keep updating that and um, adding new ideas uh, also from um, other places in the world that we visited and but a lot of Saskatchewan uh, material on there. So um, that's fun to do to keep it updated and come up with new ideas. And I think as far as social media goes, uh, I think what we've done is we've picked our channels. Robin handles a couple and, and I handle a couple of the platforms and and then that, that's it, you know. Uh, the more time you spend behind the computer, the less time you spend out in nature. So. Or you know, on your way to somewhere else, and it can it can overtake your life, and uh, it's nice to get unplugged and and away from that for a while too.
3: That's great. That's sure. a tweet, Emory, for us. The more time you spend on your computer, the less time you're spending out in nature.
0: It's true, though, right? And it's actually it's been proven over just spending time in nature is like good for for happiness, mental health, mm-hmm. and those things. So, and look at those smiles. <laughs> <laughs> Um so just to sort of wrap things up, parklandpublishing.com, uh photojourneys.ca. Uh you mentioned some social media. Is it all the same uh tagline for you guys? Um
1: uh, Twitter is um uh, carp Park and parkland. And most of our other others are carp and photo journeys, like on uh, Instagram and uh Facebook, Facebook, so photo and photo. and Pinterest as well. there's
2: carp and photo Journeys.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, guys. It's uh, nice to meet you and nice to have you on. Great.
2: Thanks a lot, and have a good summer, both of you and your families. And we hope to see you out there somewhere, maybe
0: someday. Oh, awesome. Sure, we will. Um, so yeah, kind of cool to have them on, and uh, yeah, looking forward to to whatever it is they do next. I do hope they do some more stuff with the RPL or something, because I I wouldn't mind watching it and just seeing they're they're interesting people. They know a lot about a lot in Saskatchewan, which makes me a little bit jealous.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could even do well, book signing things at the different bookstores and stuff like that. Because, yeah, their book was sitting right out front and center from what I remember of Indigo when I was there in Saskatoon.
0: I should have just like shamelessly tried to promote myself and be like, so do you guys like do books from other people?
3: I, you know what? <laughs> I was... so." I was thinking that would be a good business model for them, but I don't, then I was also thinking, I don't think they want the hassle.
0: Yeah. It's probably
3: a hassle for sure. Because you would have all the hassle of the book without the adventure. So would it be worth it for
0: them? Probably not. No. Speaking of adventure, Nick, where, where is your next adventure?
3: Um, so I'm heading off to New Zealand here pretty soon. Did you know that?
0: I did, but I only found out the other night.
3: <laughs> yeah, we're heading back basically for all of July. Going to be calm. why New?
0: Why New Zealand?
3: So we lived there. Uh, oh boy, a long time ago now, fourteen years ago, my wife and I, and basically going back to our old stopping grounds there. So we're there a year. Going to go back to the same area. Still know some people and kind of tour around the same stuff, get to show Ruth, all the spots. Yeah.
0: Nice. Nice. Um, Just actually thinking about the interview today, is there a place in Saskatchewan you want to go to?
3: So I want to go back to the sand dunes. That's always been a one. So I'm trying to remember how the commercial worked, because I'm sure that I was there. We might have just stayed in the plane and flown over it. Or the, maybe plane I didn't would have to land. They'd have
0: to re up for sure. Something.
3: Yeah. Or maybe they just, maybe we just, there's a scenario of it that could have happened where we just set up the camera and stuff on the plane or helicopter or something. And then just the DOP went up there and filmed it. And we didn't even do it because there was so much, it was up North and we were boating and f- like flying those float planes in and out of places and it was a tourism commercial. We were just kind of going all
0: over. So, Yeah. Yeah. The sand dunes I think would be mine. And then the other one was that clear water is a little more accessible, but, uh, but yeah, the sand dunes, man.
3: Yeah. The sand dunes. So I think, how many, how long does it take the boat in for them to canoe into it?
0: Uh, I guess it would depend on which trip. So like they said, there's three different rivers, I believe. And each one has some like varying skill that is needed with it. And then I I think it depends on where you start in that river as well. How they're getting dropped off in the river, I don't exactly know. I think the uh, Saskatchewan Bucket List book actually does go through some of those drop-off points. Um, So if someone really wanted to do that, they could learn that as well. Yeah. Canoeing scares me.
3: I think I would do go the city guy's route where... (laughs) go up there and then fly out the same day yeah now you're gonna miss all the good light but
0: i think if i would do it i I would want to stay for a week and sort of get like a tour around Mm.
3: just camp out there
0: yeah right actually that's like what they're doing a lot of times they're camping on the sides of rivers and stuff like that too which is pretty wild to do yeah So anyways, um, I think that probably wraps it up for us, Nick, uh, anything else you want to say before we go, any advice for all our viewers out there? We remember when we used to give advice. Yeah. We used to give advice. Uh,
3: not really one for advice as we turn, as it turns out, (laughs) it's not really (laughs) our thing. Yeah. It's
0: not our thing. That's all right. But, um, anyways, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for watching and we'll see you next time. So I did that whole intro and you weren't recording. Should I do another intro? If we want two angles. Probably (laughs) Welcome back to another episode, everybody. My name's Emery Wolf. Joining me is... Nick Lamb. Who looked very enthused. Wasn't even looking at the camera. But either way you look (laughs) at it, we are just two camera guys. A show where we're going to talk about all things camera. Um, We're doing an interview today, Nick. Uh, We've got a...